All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of White Collar Crimes, where we show you that the only color that truly matters in the criminal justice system is green. I'm Ryan Horn, the host. Great to have you aboard again. Uh, Or if it's your first time listening, great to have you aboard as well. Beautiful fall evening here in southern Illinois. Finally, it took a little while to get around, but uh, the fall weather is finally uh, coming in slowly. Weather a little bit cooler, a little more crisp, and very slowly but surely the leaves are turning. So hopefully the next week or two they'll be in full glory and uh, be something nice to look at. Hopefully weather's good where you are, wherever you happen to be listening to us from. We've talked a lot about here lately, been on some themes about uh, public white-collar crimes, you know, white-collar crimes committed by public officials. Had some from here in Illinois, and we will be continuing that in this episode as well. You know, we recently just did one on former Governor Blagojevich. Uh, We have one coming up soon on uh, former Governor George Ryan. Plenty of politicians here in Illinois we we could do these on, and, you know, a lot of other states too, but unfortunately, Illinois, we, you know, have a long, uh, deep tradition of corruption in this state, and there'll be some, you know, future episodes about a lot of different ones but uh this is one some of you probably most of you haven't heard of this case but some of you may have seen her case was featured on the show american greed if you happen to watch that show but this is about rita crunwell and she was the city treasurer for the city of dixon illinois who uh, very much enriched herself and committed one of the biggest white collar crimes in public service history and as we've talked about in recent weeks, you know, not all white-collar crime crimes that happen are done by rich businessmen. Sometimes public servants, they violate that public trust to enrich themselves and line their own pockets. And that was the case of the Dixon, Illinois treasurer, Rita Crunwell. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Dixon, Illinois, it is a town of about 15,000, and it is located in northern Illinois, probably... I would say maybe about 100 miles or so south-southwest of Chicago. And it's famous for being the boyhood home where Ronald Reagan grew up at, uh, former president, former actor, former governor of California. You know, that's kind of its claim to fame. It's, uh, you know, a small town by comparison to a lot of places, but, you know, it's it's a decent size compared to, you know, a town like where I'm at. But... Uh, Rita Cronwell was the city treasurer from 1983 to 2012. Now, the people did not know at that time when she was appointed that she would go on to commit one of the biggest, you know, white-collar crimes for public officials in, you know, in, in our country's history, but she did do just that. Uh, Rita was born near Dixon, and she ended up growing up there, graduating from Dixon High School, and as an adult, young adult, she started to develop an interest in American quarter horses, you know, very fine elite uh, horse race horses, whatnot. I don't know a whole lot about them, but a lot of people around here also are, that I know are involved in, uh, you know, raising horses and whatnot. Not something I've done, but uh, it's a hobby that grew to be a uh, something she grew, developed a very strong interest in, so to speak. Uh, she did get married after high school, a few years after high school in 1974, but the records say she did later divorce in 1986. And uh, as I said before that, in 1983, she was appointed as the city treasurer. Um, Well-respected member of the community, well-liked. Probably, again, like I said, nobody had any idea about what was to come. Now, 
her background information states that she was an accountant. So, I mean, she was certainly qualified to be a treasurer, and it is important to do that. I have experience, you know, some of you that listen know I was a little small-town mayor here at one time here in, of a little town here in southern Illinois, and they, uh, you know, we had some problems at one time, with, you know, a couple times of some treasurers that just weren't up to snuff, and it can make life really tough for the city, it, it, you know, and it's a very difficult job. I am not a numbers person. That's why I, you know, work in law enforcement and for the government and everything like that. I, numbers never were my thing, but you know, my hat's off to people that are, but, uh, you know, she was an accountant by trade. So, you know, her qualifications were not in question. And, you know, despite the time that she pulled off this embezzlement, what you'll see, the amazing thing is she didn't have a really, you know, like big time heist level planning and and elaborate scheme that was, you know, nobody could figure out or anything like that, like we've talked about with some of the other schemes, some of these other white-collar criminals have come up with, some of which are very brilliant and creative and everything like that. Hers was really very simple, and that's the amazing thing, how you'll see she was able to get away with what she did for so long. But in 1990, so at this point, she's been a city treasurer for about seven years, and she opens up the city bank account, names it the Reserve Sewer Capital Development Account. And, of course, it seemed legit. Nobody probably would question that anyway. I can tell you also from being in small-town politics, uh, you know, when I was a mayor, the the aldermen that uh, sometimes you butted heads with or whatnot, those were the ones that you would put on, you know, in charge of the sewer. You know, in the little town I was in, each alderman had a different committee they chaired. Some were, one would be in charge of public safety, one would be the water department one cemetery you know on the sewer and the sewer was the you know that was the gig nobody really wanted to have or be assigned and that's how that ended up going about and uh you know so nobody probably questioned that nobody pays too much attention to sewer activities as long as they're working and doing their job nobody's going to question that and that sounds like a legit city account so you know nobody questioned it and the other thing that she had it made by doing this she was the city's only authorized signer on this account because obviously no one else in the city knew this account existed. And she just simply drafted some fake invoices, wrote some checks from the fund from time to time, and made it payable to quote-unquote treasurer, which was her. And amazingly, she pulled this off for about 22 years before she was actually caught. And something that simple, but as you'll see over time, that added up to a lot of money she was able to uh, put in her account very much enrich herself and she was able to cover her tracks on this because she could claim that you know i not you know you start putting a lot of money into your account well that's money the city has pretty soon people are going to notice some of these things missing and people did start to ask questions but she was able to cover her tracks because she claimed these budget shortfalls were due to the state not paying the tax revenue they owe which for those of you not familiar with illinois it is totally believable because for a long, long time we have had financial trouble. Again, going back to the time I was a small town mayor, the you know the state at one time, if I recall correctly, owed our little town you know about two hundred thousand dollars or something. They were behind on. I mean, we got so broke a few years ago. It made the news that lottery winners here in Illinois were getting an IOU. They didn't even know you know didn't even have the funds at that time to pay lottery winners. That's how broke Illinois has been, and it's. You know, still that way now, this is 2021. I don't know we're in a whole lot better shape than, you know, we have been previous years. But, you know, she just told people that's what these shortfalls were. Just, you know, it was on the state, not not the city's fault. And people believed it and went on about their business. And she continued to 
write checks to the quote-unquote treasurer and, uh, you know, continued to fatten her bank account and line her pockets. But just like always with when this happens, there's always people that suffer that are on the receiving end of the greed when these white-collar criminals commit these crimes. And, of course, in this case, it was the city workers and the actual residents of Dixon, Illinois. Um, city employees went sometimes years without raises. Uh, they worked without adequate equipment. You know, certainly wasn't any money for upgrades or, you know, to buy new equipment. You know, again, no money for raises or any type of uh, benefits. And, you know, it's tough working for a long time without raise. I've had that experience, you know, in my years, especially when I worked at the sheriff's office back in the day. You know, there were a lot of years I can remember one contract negotiation we had you know, on the union side here, we went to battle with the county officials, and I think it went on for over two years, if I recall correctly, and we were not able to get a raise or anything during that time, and, you know, it's tough, you know, I mean, over time, you know, your bills pile up, and, you know, you need your money to keep up with it, and, you know, in times like that, it doesn't, and that's what happened to these uh, folks there, and then the poor people of Dixon had to drive on unpaved, unrepaired streets, and it's estimated that on average, she stole about two and a half million dollars a year from the city, and it's a city that uh, was estimated to have a budget, you know, about nine million dollars or so. So, I mean, she stole nearly a third of the money from the city each year to line her pockets with. And the amazing thing is, is she really did not attempt to hide this newly gotten wealth. She started buying these, you know, very expensive quarter horses we were talking about and were raising them, taking them in shows and, you know, breeding and things like that, making huge amount of money also off these horses. She had a uh, fancy luxury cars, million dollar motor home, and this is on a salary of $80,000 a year. You know, and Harry Truman, one of his famous quotes, I've, I mean, I love the quote there. He said, you know, you show me somebody that got rich in politics, I'll show you a crook. And, you know, that's exactly true. You know, you, you ha and I have to question, you know, some of these uh, congressmen and senators and governors and people who, you know, make salaries, you know, like even a congressman or senator, it's like $174,000, I think. And, you know, they're, they're multimillionaires. And, you know, a lot of them are not that rich when they come in office, but somehow they leave that rich. And that's what she was doing there. Now, she told the people in the community that she'd received an, a large inheritance, invested it in the horses and some other things, and, you know, was doing well, and, and nobody questioned it, you know. I mean, I would probably question why she might have still been working at that point if she was that wealthy, why she hung on to, you know, a, a position like that. But, you know, we know now she held on to it because that's what was making her rich, and, you know, she was illegally lining her pockets from that. But, you know, city officials trusted her. The community trusted her, like we said, and she had really almost carte blanche authority to do whatever she wanted with the city's money and nobody was questioning her and again like we said she had a good front she had uh you know the state of illinois to blame on the missing money which you know again is believable for those of you from illinois especially know you know this, this state's financial situation for quite a few years has been you know very disastrous and she also uh, would pick up the city's mail every day or, you know, whenever she was there just to make sure nobody ever got the statements from the bank on the fake account. And when she was away, she had her family or maybe somebody trusted from the city that she could trust to uh, put the mail in, the, in her office for or desk, whatever. And, you know, nobody was able to see it and take a, a look at it. And again, you know, for 22 years nearly, she 
she got away with this. You know, again, we think it started in 1990. That's when she opened up the account, although uh, investigators later believe a few years before that she may have started, you know, getting herself involved in different types of schemes. But it all finally did kind of catch up with her a little bit in 2011. Um, a little relax, uh, rest and relaxation trip that she took would finally shine the light and bring some exposure to her scheme. She took about 12 weeks of unpaid leave in 2011. I think they said the city, you know, only authorized paid leave for her up to four weeks. But, you know, when you're a multimillionaire and like she was, you know, you don't mind taking a few extra weeks of unpaid leave. And that's what she did. But the city appointed a temp treasurer to replace her during this time to kind of cover things. And, you know, this lady, this, uh, Temp comes in and requests that all city accounts be brought to her. And that's when they discovered the fake sewer account. Now, the employee brought this to the attention of the mayor, this uh, temporary appointment. And, you know, the mayor was not aware of this account, as, you know, were really anybody in the city. But uh, James Burke was the mayor's name. He decided then to contact the FBI. Now, they didn't take her into custody right away. You know, I mean, the fake account certainly raised flags, but just like always, you know, you have to follow due process. You have to build a case and things like that. So for the next six months, they they kept her under, uh, you know, very close watch, you know, surveillance, so to speak, while they, they built their case. And finally, on April 17th, 2012, the FBI did arrest her at the office that day. And she was charged with embezzling about $30 million from the city, roughly. You know, I mean, I think I read there was one year, you know, the average was about $2.5 million, but it seemed like I remember there was one year she took in maybe like twice that or something that she ripped off. So just an amazing amount of money that uh, she stole from a city that did not have that kind of money to, you know, to throw around. So eventually she is charged with stealing $53 million over a 22-year period. Um, in November 2012, this is, you know, about seven months after her arrest, she did plead guilty to a single count of wire fraud. And Judge, you know, and this is a federal case, federal judge William Philip Reinhard, he scolded her at the sentence, you know, for her abuse, obviously, of the public trust, which, as I've said many times, a breach of trust or an abuse of trust is always the case in white-collar crime cases. You know, people trust somebody with their money, whether it's, you know, an insurance person, a business person, you know, a medical person, you know, in this case, a city official, whatever. But there's always a breach of trust whenever there's a white collar crime committed. And that's what happened here. And he said, you know, sadly, she showed more passion for the welfare of her horses than she did for the people of Dixon, you know, that she was appointed to, uh, to serve. Now, I didn't really find anything out about any of her elections or anything, so I'm guessing in that city it is just an appointed position. Now, in the town, you know, where I was mayor at, in a lot of towns around here, that is an elected position. But, you know, who knows? That may not have mattered here because apparently, you know, up until the time she got caught, she was pretty well liked and respected, so nobody would have actually figured this out, probably, you know, you know, or enough to vote her out or anything. But the prosecutors, they fought to, you know, have her property forfeited. The horse farm, I think they said up to around 300 horses. Uh, she had multiple homes they seized, multiple luxury vehicles. Again, living pretty high on the hog for somebody that was making, uh, you know, $80,000 a year. You know, good money, even, you know, back, you know, 
course, I don't know the way inflation and things are going. It may not be that much longer, but you know, even 10 or 12 years ago, around the time you know she got caught, you know, it was about 10 years ago. That you know, even then, that was you know, that's pretty good money. And uh, she got sentenced to 19 years and seven months, which was you know just you know just uh, about five months off of what the actual prosecution was asking asking for. They asked for you know a flat 20 and. You know, the judge came pretty close to granting them that and gave her, you know, as I said, 19 years. And she was originally supposed to be released in 2029, but just a couple months ago, according to the Chicago Sun-Times, she was recently released on August 4th, 2021 to a halfway house here in Illinois. So, you know, I don't know if the crowding thing... You know, if it's a crowding situation, uh, you know, COVID, although, you know, I'm hearing now, you know, around the state of Illinois that cases are on the decline, you know, in Jackson County, where I work at, uh, Illinois, did not have a single case yesterday reported. So hopefully it's on the, you know, on the decline here, but who knows? I don't know if that played a factor. I know last year that certainly played a factor in a lot of people getting, you know, released from jail or prison or not even being locked up at all. So, I don't know why she's let go eight months early, but uh, that is the case. Now, uh, Dixon has sought to rebuild and, you know, bring themselves out of the rubble. Uh, You know, they did sue their auditors that failed to do their job over the years. They sued uh, Fifth Third Bank, the account the fake account was in. And I think it was later reported they got about $40 million out of Fifth Third Bank. And, uh, you know, which I don't know, I've always thought that's an odd name for a bank. You know, years ago, I had a truck, had a loan through them and they had just, I can't remember who I had the original loan from, but that's when Fifth Third Bank kind of come on the scene and they, they bought it out. And I just, to this day, think that's a a very odd name for a bank, but, uh, that's who they had. And, uh, yep, ended up doing that. And, uh, it also said they had an auction of some of her city assets that netted the city about $9 million. So, you know, they were able to make some uh, recoveries financially, but I have no doubt that uh, Dixon will suffer for a long time after this, though, you know, on the matters of trust. I'm sure it's going to be a long time, you know, many years after this before the residents are able to trust anybody with their, you know, finances or anything like that, I, you know, or whomever her replacement was and any future treasurers that they have. They're, you know, probably going to be under the microscope for a while. You know, they're going to have to keep an eye and you know, I know they probably don't want to let their guard down and have this happen again. You know, I don't know that they could withstand that. You know, they've suffered enough, as we said. You know, their their streets and, you know, city services and things were drastically reduced and, you know, improvements weren't made. You know, again, city workers that worked hard, you know, were not getting raises. They were not getting, uh, you know, equipment and things that they need. So, you know, made life really tough for them. And, uh, you know, that's what can happen here. You know, it could happen again, you know, and she is... Most likely, I don't know how long she's going to be in the halfway house, but it sounds like sometime here soon, she could be a free person again. And, you know, like I always ask this question about all these offenders, you know, what's she going to do again? Is she going to reoffend again? Is she going to, uh, you know, commit any type of crimes like this again? Uh, You know, obviously greed played a role in it somewhere. You know, I mean, $80,000 is a decent salary. She should have been able to live pretty well on that kind of money, you know, especially in a smaller town like that, she should have been able to do okay, but, uh, wasn't enough for her. And, you know, her greed for horses and, you know, a luxury lifestyle just, uh, you know, took over and, you know, she did what she did and, you know, now it's cost her her freedom for a while. And, you know, she does have that felony conviction to follow her around. And, you know, obviously she probably, you know, based on her reputation, will never be able to 
hold any type of, you know, position anywhere that requires any kind of trust or, you know, certainly any licensing or certification or anything. But, you know, who knows? Again, just like all these others, you know, you never know if you've heard the, the last of them or not. And who knows? We may see Rita Cronwell's name, you know, in the headlines again someday. So... But we do appreciate you tuning in, and, uh, you know, we do have some episodes coming up, uh, like I said, on other, you know, public officials here in Illinois. You know, I mentioned George Ryan, and uh, also have uh, my occasional host, Greg Yulinchich, coming back soon. We're going to talk about some uh, NCAA scams, scandals, which is, you know, kind of fitting here with, you know, we're in the middle of college football season and everything, so be something I think a lot of you will enjoy, and, uh you know, like I always say, too, like us on Facebook, uh, you know, and you can donate. There is a link on the anchor page to our show here. But as I always say, I much more appreciate your listening and your viewership than the money. But if you do want to help us continue to bring this show to you, you know, financial contributions are certainly welcome and helpful. And uh, you can also check out some links to this podcast on my website, ryan-horn.com. Uh, also see some of the voiceover work I'm involved in if you're listening and you are in the need of a voiceover service i do provide that service as well and uh, would be happy to help you and you can contact me there uh you know on the facebook page or you can email me at ryanvt at gmail.com or contact me on the website um appreciate all that like i said you got folks that tune in and you know hopefully can continue to educate that uh it's not always just street hoodlums committing these crimes and you know hopefully we can help even you know bring some some to justice someday maybe because uh you know there's a lot more of this that goes on i certainly found this out studying this in my grad studies university of cincinnati and it's uh it's certainly going on way more than we have any of us ever could realize and we're you know going to educate the public on that so thank you for tuning in god bless and we will see you next time